I think just based on the expectations for the Knicks, in terms of refusing to offer one of the best players in the NBA and Max Deal, I think they, they dropped the ball on that one. Shout out to Seth, man. Got it out the mud. G League, D League, bounced around, went through some injuries and recovered well and has made a name for himself in this league. So gonna miss my guys, gonna miss Mo Harkless, man. Gonna miss my steam room mafia. I'll see you on the other side, man. Looking at the draft and the assets required to have success in this league, I think the New Orleans Pelicans have acquired a lot. They have a little bit of everything, and I think they, they're boasting an impressive roster. I think the Atlanta Hawks are boasting an impressive roster, and I think the Indiana Pacers have acquired a lot of players as well. So it's going to be interesting to see you know, what continues to happen. Welcome to the Tom Mac episode of Pull Up. That's right, episode number 65. Currently in Portland, Oregon. Just finished up a few days of workouts. Uh, enjoying some downtime before I take off for vacation in Mexico with wifey. Um, free agency has started. It's been a long free agency process with a lot of players bouncing around, making decisions, going to different teams. Summer League has also already started. Uh, shout out to my guy Dame on signing an uh, extension with the Portland Trailblazers. I think it's the largest contract in NBA history. So that's really dope. Happy to see him extend his contract in Portland. Uh, Going to be here for the long haul. Hopefully he's a lifer. Shout out to Wifey for passing her CDC exam. She is a, a genius. Oh, <laughs> wait. Let's go. <laughs> I can hear her in the background. Hold on. Let me, let me. C-D-C-A. C-D-C-A, which stands for the Commission on Dental Competency Assessments. Congratulations. Great job, Elise. Great job. <laughs> Golf claps. Golf claps. Jordan, Golf where are you at claps. right now in the world? So I just got to Bristol, um, and I am actually hosting Bullock and Wingo tomorrow and Friday, Thursday and Friday, the 4th and 5th, from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern. So that'll be 3 a.m. your time. So I know you'll be up watching. Jeez. Um, and can't I know wait, it's can't wait to watch. Of, you know, <laughs> can't miss television. And maybe you'll listen to the show on your way to Cabo or something. So that's my, my next two days. And... Um, you know, on one hand, it's like so great. And then also I feel this kind of guilt of leaving the family for July 4th. But, you know, sports never stops, CJ. And when you have opportunities, you got to take advantage of them. So for me, it was a no-brainer. And uh, hopefully I can inspire, uh, you know, ha have some good conversation about free agency and have some fun over the next couple of days. That's awesome, man, and I'm happy for you. I'm glad you're continuing to make strides in the game, uh, literally, literally and figuratively. Um, saddened to see that you're not going to be able to spend time with the family on the 4th, but there'll be, there'll, there'll be plenty more 4th of July for you to celebrate and being able to have the right types of food, fireworks, comfort, <laughs> dog, dogs, everything. I'm sure you're looking forward to that again in the near future, but... Speaking of things to look forward to, I know the New York Knicks fans are not looking forward to next season. And I know for a fact the Brooklyn Nets fans are really looking forward to next season because they have some new faces coming on board. Were you surprised at the decision that was made 
um, by Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and DeAndre Jordan? Did it catch you off guard? Did you already know about it? Um, did you suspect this would happen the way it happened? CJ, I was surprised not that Kevin left Golden State because I think there was a growing sentiment around the league that he would. But I think six weeks ago or two months ago, I feel like the Knicks would have said we feel great about the opportunity to sign KD and perhaps Kyrie Irving as well. So I was a little bit surprised, I suppose, that he did not choose the Knicks. But I think what the bigger picture here is that him and Kyrie, A, had been planning a seed of let's play together, let's join forces. And then B, the culture that the Nets have built is superior to the Knicks. In other words, you know, not only have they built a winning franchise, but within three and a half years, you know, Sean Marks inherited a franchise that had a 21-win season, basically no draft picks, and was still reeling from the, the Pierce and Garnett trade with Boston. And they built a culture predicated on winning good young players, a good young staff, a medical staff that is very well regarded, developmental staff as well, and a head coach in Kenny Atkinson who has a really strong reputation. So um, it doesn't when you put it like that, it's not necessarily surprising. But I think a lot of NBA fans, especially Knicks fans, obviously felt like the Garden would be the destination. So is it true that the Knicks owner refused to give Kevin Durant a full max because of uncertainties with the Achilles injury? Is that true? Or is that just a rumor that came out after the free agency period started? CJ, for James Dolan to pull the max from Kevin Durant is one of the most typical Knicks things to do, which speaks to them being a completely rudderless franchise and just so much dysfunction. And I, the reason it's so hard to believe is you've had all this time to vet Kevin Durant. And obviously, he gets hurt. But even then, you, you know what kind of person you're getting. He's 30 years old. He's still in the prime of his career. It's just an incredible thing that only the Knicks could possibly fathom doing. No, there's no explanation at all. And I thought it was a joke when I read it. I thought that it was just them kind of making fun of the Knicks organization and the, and the franchise as a whole. I, w I wasn't sure um, he actually did that. But just to see some of the things that happened behind the scenes, I'm very surprised that they were um, unwilling to offer him uh, a full max. As as you can see with the free agency, the Warriors offered him it right away. Obviously, Brooklyn was willing to give him whatever he wanted. Many teams across uh, the Eastern and Western conferences, I'm sure, would have divvied up and, and paid him whatever he wanted uh, for them to come together on an agreement. But I think it just kind of shows you where they're at right now and where he's at as a talent evaluator. Um, Kevin Durant will be back. He'll be a great player again. He'll be able to dominate games. And with technology, with his versatility, his ability to shoot and do so many things off the bounce while being seven foot uh, kind of assures, you know, his success when he comes back because you don't lose your skills. You may lose a step, but your skill set will be the same. You'll still be able to dribble and shoot and pass, and he'll still be seven foot. So I'm, I'm very surprised and shocked at that. Um, they did. They were able to pick up Reggie Bullock, Taj Gibson, Bobby Portis, Julius Randle, among others. Um, signed the uh, Alfred Payton as well. So they were able to acquire some talent. But I think just based on the expectations for the Knicks, you know, with a potential chance at the number one pick, with a potential chance at a Jimmy Butler or a Tobias Harris or a Kyrie Irving or even a DeMarcus Cousins, you're starting to see now that 
Um, they're not getting the big sexy names, although I am a fan of Julius Randle. I think he's going to be great for them. You know, him getting, I don't know, 20, 21 million a year kind of shows you where he's at right now with his game, averaging 21, 8, and 3 last year. I think he's a great pickup for them. But uh, in terms of refusing to offer one of the best players in the NBA and Max Deal, I think they, they dropped the ball on that one. And I think Golden State were big winners in this situation. Obviously, not big winners in losing Kevin Durant, but a big winner in being able to acquire a D'Angelo Russell in a signing trade. Kevin Durant could have just walked away for nothing. Instead, he kind of cooperated with them and uh, gave them a nice little parting gift, allowing them to acquire a big asset that they can utilize or trade. So, CJ, I think the Warriors are still in a good spot. So, obviously, let's say Clay comes back in you know March. You have. Dre, you have Steph. Um, you know, I, I think the D'Angelo Russell trade, sign and trade, is probably getting overshadowed because Brooklyn gets Kevin and, and Kyrie. But, you know, Russell last year at, at 23 years old, was he was a completely different player. He really grew up, um, and he became a legitimate all-star point guard. I, I'll be really interested to see how he handles um, playing alongside Steph because I think It'll allow Curry to play more off the ball, which would be nice. But the when when Clay does come back, there'll be an adjustment, I would imagine, um, with those three with those three playing together. And defensively, they'll have to get creative. But it is a a good haul for Golden State, all things considered, not to lose KD and not get anything back. Yeah, I think it was definitely a smart move and decision for them to make. Uh, understanding they're going to lose Kevin Durant, you want to make sure you get some type of asset in return, especially when it's an all-star caliber guard who you can pair alongside Steph. Uh, there's rumors that they may move him, but any event, they improve their roster in this situation because without without D'Angelo Russell and without Klay Thompson, uh, you lack the offensive firepower in the backcourt to really compete in the Western Conference. You need another guy who can contribute, whether that be scoring, assisting, making plays, uh, for not only themselves but others in, in pressure situations. And I think D'Angelo Russell is a guy who can do that. And in the event that they don't want to use him, they could move him and acquire, I don't know, uh, the likes of, let's say, like uh, Andrew Wiggins or, or someone like that who they're able to get a big wing who can score, who can do some of the things that Clay did in terms of, you know, putting up putting up points in a hurry. And then the Minnesota Timberwolves are able to get the guard they were looking for, a lead guard who's, you know, all-star caliber. So I think there's some things that they can do now they have options instead of just losing Kevin Durant. To your point about Minnesota, I, I thought there was a good shot the Wolves would get him. I think they felt really good about it. There's a, you know, D'Angelo and Cat have a great relationship. And I, listen, if Minnesota can move Andrew Wiggins, they would, they would do it. They have to find a suitor that's going to take on that kind of money. Um, and, and perhaps they would have to eat some of it as well and get a bad contract in return. But Minnesota felt like they had a good shot to get Russell, I think. And um, ultimately, you're right. If, if Golden State wanted to move him, they would be able to get a pretty penny back considering his age. I, you know, I, I just like the bigger picture here for me, though, is, is going back to the Knicks, CJ. It, it's, we talk a lot about money and rightfully so, but um, when, you're, when you continually find ways to lose out on culture, um, it speaks to just the, the level of dysfunction within the organization. The Knicks for years, they haven't been relevant since 1999 when they went to the finals. They've had three uh, winning seasons, I believe. And within that time frame, they've 
They've raised ticket prices. Um, they have raised concession stands. They just haven't handled the biz- their business in a good manner and in an appropriate fashion. And going back to James Dolan to what we were talking about earlier, how, how is it possible, CJ, that an owner who has especially one in that who's been around this long, how do you not know going into free agency if whether or not you're going to give Kevin Durant the max? And how do you even attempt to recruit somebody who, who is going to obviously generate that type of money and say, you know what, we're actually not comfortable giving you this kind of, this kind of, ma- this kind of max? It's a sticky situation, man. And, and from the outside looking in, it appears as if he definitely dropped a ball on this one. And he lost a big joker and a little joker because if he gets the big joker, he's able to land Kyrie Irving as well in a package deal, which could completely change their franchise and their trajectory going forward. But um, it's a very unfortunate situation for them to be in. And, and another unfortunate situation is Iguodala was a part of the signing of Russell. So he's been traded and there are rumors and reports that he may go to the Warriors, not the Warriors. He may go to the, Lakers. the Rockets. He may go to the Lakers. Um, you never know. Uh, what franchise he will potentially sign with. And then you fast forward ahead and you look at the Eastern Conference. You look at the Sixers. You look at what's going on right now with them being able to sign Tobias Harris back, losing J.J. Redick, but acquiring Josh Richardson. And then you see Jimmy Butler go to the Miami Heat. He turns down a max deal with his current franchise, leaves, goes to Miami, takes less money, but has to love the city. He has to love the fact that there's no state tax. And he has to love the fact that he has his own team now. CJ, do you like the fit for Jimmy in Miami? I mean, do you feel like that's that's the, the ideal place for him and that Pat Riley can get him to buy in? I definitely think Pat, Pat Riley will get him to buy in. Pat's a legend. He's a guy who's no nonsense. Um, he has legendary conditioning requirements, legendary body fat requirements. And Jimmy's a guy who works hard. He does things the right way. He, he can rub people the wrong way at times because of his demeanor, his attitude, and his approach. But he's a winner. Ultimately, he's a guy who loves to compete. And I think that him and Pat will get along just fine. Obviously, he has that Dwayne Wade relationship and friendship to where I'm sure he's met Pat before. I'm sure he's been around him, and they have an understanding of how things need to be done in that situation and for that franchise. I think ultimately that's where he wanted to go, so I think it's a good fit for him because he understood what was at stake. He understood what, what, was, what it was going to take for him to be put in that situation. It took three teams, the Mavs, the Heat, and the Sixers, to get this trade done. Obviously, the Miami Heat ended up moving Hassan. Shout-out to my guy Whiteside who will be coming um, to Portland here shortly, and also shout-out to my teammates who are going to other franchising organizations, Mo Harkless, um, Chief Alpha Rukamino, who signed with Orlando. Shout-out to my guy Ed Davis, although I haven't played with him in a few years. He's going to Utah. Shout-out to – man, who else did we lose? Let me think about this for a second. Myers Leonard to Miami. My guy Hammer Time. Shout-out to my guy E.T., who's going, who's going to Atlanta. Shout-out to Seth Curry as well, who's going to Dallas. We basically lost about Seth eight or nine Curry players. Got some, got some and, Dude, I'm happy and for Kalnick. Seth, by the way. Seth Curry – Seth, Seth Curry got a serious bag. Two really good years in a row. He goes back to Dallas. I, I'm happy for that dude, man. He he worked his ass off, and uh, he I'm happy for him. He's gonna he, he earned that. Yeah, he got a nice bag, man. Shout out to Seth, man. Got it out the mud. G League, D League, bounced around, went through some injuries, and recovered well, and has made a name for himself in this league. So. Shout out to yeah. him, man. Going to miss my guys. Going to miss my Harkless, man. Going to miss my Steam Room Mafia. 
I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> There's so much to unpack here, Mr. McCollum, and, 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 and I get excited because uh, there's so much to talk about, but you just hit on a couple of things. Going, just to uh, close the bow on Jimmy Butler um, in Miami. Do you, so my thing with Jimmy is, to your point, like Jimmy plays really hard. He takes basketball really seriously. Um, I, I think Miami can work for him. I think Spolstra and, and Riley can get him to buy in. But he's now going to be the elder statesman of that team. Like, it's his team. And um, he's obviously had some problems in the past with younger players, specifically in Minnesota. We mentioned Andrew Wiggins. So, uh, and he didn't, him and Kat didn't get along either. So it, how, how do things change for Jimmy in Miami, considering that, uh, again, this is going to be his team? I think the only difference between the past situations he was in in Philly and now is that he's the ultimate authority figure. I think in, in Philly, he had a leadership role, but it was already established that it was Joel Embiid's team. It was already Ben Simmons' team, and they had been there before he got there. So it was a little different in terms of his leadership approach and probably his style and him more so trying to blend in. You look at when he was in Chicago and D-Wade uh, left and he was there by himself. Uh, our D Rose left. He was there by himself. That was a right. simula- uh, a situation more similar to where he's at now, where he's he's the older statesman, as you said before. He's the OG. He's the vet. He's the highest paid player on the team. He's the one that the organization is going to look to for big buckets down the stretch. He's the one they're going to blame when things don't go well. I think this is different than the last situation because he's the face. Before there was three faces and. One and a half, two of those faces kind of came before him because they were there before him. So the the blame was shared. The success was shared. Now it's all going to be on his shoulders. And I think that's what he wanted and and one of the reasons why he ended up choosing the Miami Heat. Do you think that Philadelphia is ultimately better off or at least, I don't know, like they they get Josh Richardson back, who's a good player. Obviously, they keep Tobias Harris and they pay him essentially the max. I know that Jimmy's a great player, but for what they want to do and who they want to be, does this ultimately help the Sixers long-term? I think it helps the Sixers long-term because Jimmy didn't want to be there. I think he wanted to be there at first, then he realized he wanted to, he wanted to be in Miami. He wanted to be in another franchise, another, another situation or position. Tobias really wanted to be there. They were able to lock him in for five years. They pick up Al Horford, which gives them some security. Right. With Embiid, obviously, Embiid's a great player, but he's gone through some injuries. He's gone through some situations to where he hasn't been able to play in playoff games, and they need him. So now they have that safety blanket, a guy who can start and dominate next to Embiid or by himself. And I think for the future standpoint, they have more. They have some money available because they would have had to pay Jimmy Butler more than what they paid Al Horford. And now they're they're potentially maxing out Ben Simmons with a hundred and seventy million dollar extension. So they're in a good spot. Um, they lose a shooter, they gain a shooter. Um, I think their franchise is happy with where they're at, and, and the next step is obviously for them to try to make the Eastern Conference Finals. And looking at the rest of the East, the Boston Celtics, shout out to my guy Terry Rozier, my fellow Ohioan, gets a $58 million uh, extension for three years with a signing trade, sending him and Kimba to opposite places. So Kimba gets four years, $141 million with Boston, and they get their safety blanket with Kyrie leaving, and Terry goes in there and replaces Kimba in Charlotte. Michael Jordan rolls the dice and allows Kimba to leave. What are your thoughts on this? Uh, do you think Boston is better or worse 
um, in this situation with Kemba? And do you think Terry Rozier is going to be a start starting caliber player who could potentially average 20 points per game in the Eastern Conference? Okay, so two big things there. Also on Philly, you mentioned Horford. Quickly on that, I think that deal is, is the perfect move for Philly. I, I also believe it was in the mix earlier than people realize. And from what I understand, basically, um, they there were some smoke signals put out that you know kind of got everybody off the scent. But ultimately, Al Horford was their guy. They wanted him badly. Remember, he hurt Embiid a lot two years ago in the playoffs. And uh, he's a perfect pro and everything that they want in terms of a well, not only a, a power forward, but a modern-day NBA center that can play with and without Embiid. So I totally agree with you there. Rozier to Charlotte is the perfect fit because now he can be a guy that scores. And what is Terry? When Terry's at his best, he's, as you know, it's when he's attacking, he's downhill, he can make plays, he doesn't have to worry, look over his shoulder. Now he's going to be the guy. I mean, he's the playmaker now in Charlotte. Um, he's going to, I think, he'll average 20 points a game and, be a guy that can be a legitimate all-star. Like, I, I think Terry Rozier is incredibly talented. Um, and he plays with a massive chip on his shoulder. I, I'm a big fan of what he brings to the table. And I think his energy will be big for them. And in terms of Boston, Kemba Walker is the perfect fit for the Celtics, CJ. Everything that went wrong with Kyrie from a toxicity standpoint where we know that he did not vibe at all with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and, and even Brad Stevens to a degree, and obviously Terry wasn't happy. Kemba's the polar opposite. I mean, you you know Kemba. T- tell, just give me – like, he's a, he's a great dude, and he's a low-maintenance to- low guy. And aside from that, he's a terrific player who does a lot of the same things that Kyrie does in terms of pick and roll, can score, can play make. But I just think him being a low-maintenance you know, veteran on that team is exactly what they need, and it'll be perfect for Tatum and Brown. Yeah, Kimba's cool as a fan, so I think you you hit this right on the head. It's the first time saying that in a while, but Kimba is as cool as a fan. Yeah, you you're never good. Hear, first time in a while. First time in a while. You never hear anything negative about him in, in terms of perception from teammates. Tony Parker said that he was great. He learned a lot from Tony in terms of how to lead, how to run a team, how to keep everybody involved, how to make sure he's bringing it every day. I think that just based on his personality, uh, the way he plays, being able to be on and off the ball, being able to distribute some, having that finishing ability, his ability to, to, you know, have scoring outbursts similar to Kyrie where he could score 30, he could score 40. He scored 60 on Jimmy Butler in the 76ers last season. So he has that ability to put a team on his shoulders, but I think he's a perfect fit. And I think Terry going to Charlotte doesn't have to look over his shoulder. Uh, he'll have a long leash, be able to make mistakes, be able to play 30 plus minutes a night. It's a, it's an ideal situation for all parties involved. And at the end of the day, Kyrie gets to go to Brooklyn. He, he gets to go close to home, growing up in Jersey, being a fan of the Nets. It's a perfect situation for all parties involved. And I, I look forward to seeing how everything pans out. Um, Boston gets a breath of fresh air with Kemba, you know, a guy who's going to come in low maintenance, get buckets, make his teammates better, but really won't make the headlines for, for noteworthy quotes because he just, he keeps it 100 and keeps it moving. Shout out to, shout out to Kemba too, as a, as a pull up guest. I mean, one of my favorite pull up guests, he was great. He was just, he's just a super normal guy. He's like you. There's just not a lot of, there's no baggage. There's, there's ego, but there's good ego. Like I always say, you know, great athletes have to have an ego, but there is a good ego, and, there, and then there can be the ego that gets in the way. And Kemba's like you where 
it's a it's just the right amount of humility, selflessness, but also confidence to say like I, this is my team now, or I can take over if you need. And I think that's exactly what Boston uh, wanted and, and needed. I mean, you're talking about a guy that averaged 26 points a game, did not miss a single game last year, and like you said, he gave everything to Charlotte. He could not have given more. This is all about winning, and um, you know, like I. There were people around the league that believed Boston had a great shot, and it, it felt like overnight it became they had a really good or great shot too. This is the destination. So he didn't mess around. I think it's it's kind of like it's indicative of Kemba. Like he just Boston was this place he wanted to be, and obviously they rewarded him financially, and uh, it's a great fit. Another team that um, made some moves, maybe not the big splashes, but made some really interesting moves and I think some, some really good ones is Utah. We, we've talked about Mike Conley. They also get Jeff Green. They get Bogdanovich. And I think Utah is in a pretty good spot here, especially when you consider now Donovan Mitchell can be uh, – maybe it'll be harder for teams just to load up on him. Yeah, I think Utah did a great job of acquiring assets, acquiring certain positions to contribute right away. You get Mike Conley, who's a game changer. He can change a game defend, run the pick and roll, finish around the basket, take pressure off Donovan. And then you say, you know what? We're not done yet. Let's sign Emmanuel Moutier. Let's go, let's go get Moutier from the Knicks. Let's go put him in a position to be backup point guard coming off a, a career year in which he shoots his career best yeah. from the field. He finishes around the basket. He shows an improved jumper. And he also has size to where he can run an offense, but he's also big enough to, to play off ball. And then you say, you know what? We're not done. We're going to go get Ed Davis, a guy who can set screens. He can defend. He can run the pick and roll. He finishes well around the basket. He does a little bit of everything. And then you say, all right, we got a point guard. We got another big. Let's go get another wing slash power forward in in Bojan Bogdanovic, who is a little bit of everything. He can play the three. He can play the four. He can stretch it out. Can run pick and rolls. Obviously, he's a catch and shoot guy with credibility. So I think they added a lot of depth. They added a lot of versatility, and their roster has really improved. And I think it's only going to make Donovan Mitchell's job easier going forward. Great stuff there, CJ. I mean, you just you stole all my points. I was going to hit on Ed Davis as like super, like what a bargain. Two years, ten million, and obviously another really good dude who's very, as you know, one of the more really well liked guys around the league. You mentioned. Uh, Moutier, he's 23 years old. I know, like, I, I think you said recently, like, he can just hoop, and you're right. So, you know, this guy was obviously drafted coming out of high school at 19, and Denver basically gave up on him. He had a really good, quietly good year in New York where he shot uh, 33% from three, which was uh, his career high, basically. And also, when you think about Moutier, you mentioned the size. He's 6'5", and so he, he can play – with Mitchell, he can play with Conley. He can play two, three spots. And they released Neto. And I, Utah thinks that Dante Exum is – they probably value him more than other teams do. But what this does is it allows Moutier to slide into that backup role, be their third guard. I think it's a great move. Um, and you mentioned Bogdanovich. He's, he's guarded LeBron about as well as anybody he can score. Uh, I, I like what they did a lot. Did anybody else in the West stand out to you? Like, obviously, Houston's been very quiet. Uh, obviously we've talked about Portland and there's no reason to dive more into the Blazers, but I don't know. Did anybody else stand out to you that you said, okay, well, these guys are getting a lot better. Obviously the Lakers will have to wait and see what happens with them, but they got AD. Yeah. I think, I mean, looking at the jazz, 
looking at the Lakers getting AD, I think that changes their franchises right away. It changes the perception and it changes the actual product on the court. You get another all-world player next to LeBron, you have a pretty good chance of, of having success if everybody stays healthy. Now it's just more about acquiring role players and you get a Jared Dudley, you get a potentially a Rondo, some of those guys who are veterans, know how to play, going to be in the right spots, not going to cause drama or anything like that. I think it's an ideal situation um, for LeBron to have that star power around him. Um, besides him, I don't think a lot of teams in the Western Conference have made too much noise. The the Rockets are kind of staying pat, you know, bringing, bringing back a lot of the same players they had, um, probably shopping around some guys and, and figuring out what type of changes they can make from within, but signing Austin Rivers back and looking to sign some of their, their other players back on, on short-term deals because Chris Paul is still there. James is still there. Capella, PJ Tucker. You have that core group of guys who have had success, but have faced the Warriors the last two seasons and, and not been able to get over that hump. Now, I think they feel like with the injuries the Warriors have faced, they feel like they're in a position where they can compete for a championship. And I think that's where the rest of the Western Conference is at right now. And based on the depth and the amount of players on so many different teams, I think 48, 49 wins may not be enough to get into playoffs. I think 49 might be an eight seed at this point in the Western Conference. That's unbelievable. I mean, think about how think about how good the, and how deep the West is going to be. We haven't even talked. We barely talked about Houston. We haven't talked about Denver. We haven't talked about Oklahoma City. Um, you know, Golden State's going to be an afterthought, but when Clay gets back, they could be a five seed. It's just a it's a stacked conference. Um, do you do you feel like is there any like who's the next Nuggets or who's the next Blazers that you look at and say a team that you really like where they're at their position that's ready to take a step forward? Is it is it maybe is it Sacramento? I mean they they signed Harrison Barnes to a massive deal and obviously. Uh, they have great young pieces there with Giles, Heald, Fox, and Bagley. Um, could maybe Sacramento take a, another step forward and, and make a playoff push? I think Sacramento is definitely a team who's getting better. But looking at the draft and the assets requi- uh, required to have success in this league, I think the New Orleans Pelicans have acquired a lot. They got depth. They got young players. They got draft picks. They got Drew Holiday. They have a little bit of everything, and I think they, they're boasting an impressive roster. I think the Atlanta Hawks are boasting an impressive roster, and I think the Indiana Pacers have acquired a lot of players as well. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, what continues to happen. And, you know, as we record this this podcast, Wolves is dropping bombs, and my guy Jake Lehman ends up signing with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, three years, $11.5 million. So congrats, Jake. Um, happy to see you get a little bag. You know, you worked hard for it. You deserve it. I know DV will take care of you over there. So, uh, best of luck, man. The NBA just never stops. Dude, wings get paid. We know that. Wings get paid. So, happy for Jake. Um, you, you mentioned New Orleans. They, dude, they're in a great spot. Um, do you think? Do you think Zion is a, a shoe in to win Rookie of the Year? Because I, you know, I think Morant. I think he's nine to two, or he was at least. I think Morant's going to end up being rookie of the year. I don't think it's a shoe in because he has so much talent around him. Um, from a production standpoint, rookie of the year a lot of times depends on usage rate, who's around you, and the type of numbers you're able to put up. I think Zion will put up numbers, but he has a lot of good players on his team. 
like a lot of solid players around him. So I'm not sure how they plan to utilize him. What do you think about, are there any, we haven't talked a lot about the draft. Are there any, uh, any guys jump out at you? And I know summer league's on the horizon here. We've already started in California, but Vegas is about to start. Um, are there any guys that jumped out at you on draft night? I mean, obviously bowl bowl slips to Denver at 42, but were there any players that you really liked? and you like the fit, did, did you get a chance to see any of that? We, we, we touched a little bit on it, but not much. I didn't, I didn't really watch the draft because I was working out in China. I was kind of following from afar, but I think a lot of teams drafted well. Atlanta Hawks drafted well. Um, looking at the, the Cavs, I think they picked up a, a great guard in, in, in the kid from Vanderbilt. I think he's going to be really good. And I'm impressed with the amount of depth in the draft from two to – 16, 17, and then some steals late in the in the draft with Kevin Porter and some of those guys. You could kind of tell how the talent level is continuing to evolve. There's a lot of players who are capable of being drafted that weren't drafted and think, and I think will have an impact in this league as well. CJ, Kawhi Leonard um, has been the last domino to fall in terms of the super blue chip free agents, and we have yet to have a decision as we record this. But you made an interesting point. You know, for a player to, to wake up, that I think you said at 6 a.m., to basically fly across, well, a five-hour five flight from L.A. to Toronto, I believe, to say, okay, let's see what the Raptors can pitch me. I, I don't know. It just it was a, it struck me when you said for him to do that, obviously he's pretty damn serious about coming back. Yeah, I mean, I look at it as definitely a courtesy. It's a favor for you to get up that early. You don't have to do it. You could have flown there any time of the day or tomorrow on on July 4th, but you decided to get up 5, 6 a.m., six-hour flight to meet with them one-on-one. I don't know what they can pitch him. He's obviously very familiar with the city, very familiar with the country in general, having played there for a year, having won a championship there. He knows what they have to offer. So for me, it's... It's either closure or him telling them, look, I, I appreciate everything you guys have done for me. I want to look you in the eye and tell you that I'm coming back. Otherwise, it's getting back on a plane to fly back to L.A. <laughs> and it's, uh, it is a long summer, but I just feel like when you go to those measures to do it at 5 a.m., something positive is probably going to come out of it. But who okay. knows? For all I know, for all I know, I could be. I could be in the dark, and he and he could be just be doing them a favor. He could just be doing them a favor and saying, you know what, I owe you guys this much. I want to talk to you face to face. He's Kawhi is the most enigmatic superstar player I've ever covered. Um, I was talking to an executive about this earlier today. Basically, like I, I almost wonder at this point, for a guy that doesn't want the attention, is he playing us like a fiddle, and does he actually want all this attention? Because he's just so hard to read, and they've been extremely tight-lipped. I, I, I think you saw my report that he had met with um, the Clippers and Lakers and that he was scheduled to uh, meet with the Raptors yesterday, and obviously now he's going back to Toronto, or he's in Toronto. Um, you wonder how much longer this will drag on. Uh, talking to them, I'm sure, yesterday and today and perhaps tomorrow – it, there does seem to be a general consensus that he'll decide before the fourth or around the fourth, but I, I don't know, CJ. He's just Kawhi is so hard to read, and is there any possibility that I don't know? I guess well, let me ask you this: 
Would you be shocked if he left Toronto at this point, or would you be surprised? What, what would be your emotions? I wouldn't be surprised or shocked if he left. He gave them everything they could have asked for and more. He won a championship. He put his life on the line out there in, in terms of playing through injury. He was hobbled up in, in the conference semifinals. He was hobbled up in the, in the uh, actual finals, and you could kind of see the look on his face. If he leaves, it's because he wanted to go back you know, to California, be closer to home, and have more help. If he stays, it's because he was really happy with the situation. He likes the franchise, and he feels like there's more things that they can accomplish in Toronto. But I think that for the fact that they are following him so closely, you know, following his plane as it flies in, following him to his hotel, trying to see where they're meeting at, the fans have suffocated him throughout this process. And I understand that they want him to come back. They love him. They're appreciative of what he's done. But give the man some space and a break. Like, either he's going to come back or he's not. At the end of the day, harassing him isn't going to do it. Dude, I don't know, like, if I've – I mean, have we ever seen a player draw this much excitement and attention from a country? That That's the, the part about this that the Lakers or the Clippers can't offer. Like, Kawhi is a demigod in, in Canada. He has the entire country behind him. And you're right. Like, give the man some space to breathe. Did you see the restaurant where he was rumored to meet, basically, like the hundreds of people in the streets? I mean, it's, hasn't this man yeah, done enough OD. for you? Like, leave him alone. Yeah, that's OD. That's super, super, super excessive. And... <laughs> I got a funny one for you right now. I mean, this is this has nothing to do with Kawhi. Well, everything to do with oh, good, Kawhi. Good, yeah. The Knicks reportedly backed out of their meeting with Kawhi so they wouldn't risk losing other free agent targets. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> R- reported by the New York Post, the Knicks reportedly backed out of their meeting with Kawhi so they wouldn't risk losing their other free agent targets. Oh, my gosh. When was this reported? Just now? This is just just now. Five, uh, five twenty-three. Stephen A is going to be pissed. Well, KD's pissed at Stephen A. I think everybody's pissed at Stephen A because Stephen A said that that Kevin met with Russell Westbrook right before choosing Golden State and said that he would he was not going to leave Oklahoma City. I listen. I don't. Well, we had Stephen A on the pod. I don't know. You know what? I don't know how much truth there is to that. If Kevin obviously is saying you don't know me like that, I believe. I can tell you that in my in my time spent with Kevin, if he says he's going to do something, he'll do it. So I don't I don't know. I mean, that was a strange. Like you saw the the backlash from when he said that, right? Like Kevin saying, "You don't know me like that," and basically Stephen A. on the air saying that Kevin had reached out to him. How long? That? Oh, that was that was a long time ago, right? No, but but this just came up again. I think it was yesterday. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, know that. basically. So, so my, in my time with Kevin, because obviously, you know, I've done the boardroom with him and been around um, Rich a lot and been fortunate enough to be uh, exposed to some of what the Durant, basically what Kevin, being Kevin Durant is like. And it's a full on job because there are so many, not only does he have so many fans, but he has so many detractors. And I think with Kevin, he's a sensitive guy. He cares about what other people think. That has drawn him criticism. But I, I don't believe that he would have said to Russell Westbrook, I'm, I'm staying, and then turned around and, and announced that he was leaving. Um, listen, I, I, I don't know. What, 
what do I know about Kawhi and Kevin and all this NBA stuff? It's just it's one one thing after another. Yeah, definitely one thing after another. And I think that the biggest thing that we've noticed with this situation is that if you want a free agent, a big time free agent, you gotta roll the dice. You can't be afraid to take chances on players. And that means either requesting a meeting, reaching out to them, harassing them like some some cities and in, in, in players and organizations do. You have to roll the dice. And some teams roll the dice and others don't. But as Kevin and a lot of these free agents have said before, a lot of times they know where they want to go. Yeah. It's just a matter but of them executing the decision. For the Knicks to say, for the Knicks to drop to, well, I don't know if they were ever in the Kawhi sweepstakes, but for the Knicks to lose interest in Kawhi, and say, you know what, we're not going to really recruit you because we don't want to uh, lose out on any other free agents. The only way I would believe that is this, if it's the Knicks, the Knicks. I don't know why I can't say that. I don't know how anybody else could operate like this. This goes back to our point, CJ, about James Dolan and the Knicks being a franchise that has absolutely no clue what they're doing. I wouldn't believe any other franchise other than the Knicks to say, you know what, Kawhi, we're okay. We're not gonna, we're not gonna pursue you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. They gotta, they got a lot to figure out. And then, in the meantime, it's almost July fourth, which means we're gonna be drinking lots of wine, tequila, um, the hen dog, <laughs> and whatever else people drink during the Fourth of July. So. We must cue the Y music, please. Jordan, it's been a while since we discussed the wine we were indulging yeah. upon. So I want to talk about one I had recently. It was a Barolo. It was a Barolo Mazzara 2012 from Italy, and it was quite delightful. Very, very acidic, very, very tannic, a little dry and on the bold side, and According to statistics, it's a Nebbiolo grape, for those of you that are really into that stuff. A little bit of cherry, fruit, cola, oak, tobacco, vanilla, and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it with steak, I enjoyed it with my salad, I enjoyed it with my bread. It was a big hit, and for those of you that wanna know about the price point, the 2013 vintage is hitting for about 59 bucks, um, which is wow. you know, a solid price point for this type of quality wine. Uh, you know, anything over 50 bucks is a little on the expensive side, uh, depending on who you are and what your budget is on wine. But I would say this is definitely something solid that you could look into, especially if you're at a restaurant or something like that and you wanna try it, maybe you order it by the glass and see how it goes. But I would definitely recommend that. And I'm gonna have some wine on oh, the 4th of July. Great. Sounds great. Um... I love that. I would love to try it. Um, we had a Faya last night, F-A-I-L-L-A, -L -L -A, which is from St. Helena, California. We had their Pinot, and it's a cold climate Pinot, which I don't really know what that does to the wine, but it was really good. And the price point, best part, $39.99. So for a Pinot of that quality from California at $40, bucks, you are not going to beat it. And um, it was terrific. So one of those... Uh, it's one of those wine seats that you can say after two glasses they all taste the same but uh, it was really damn good and uh, I wish I was drinking with you this weekend instead of being in Bristol by myself but that's another story 
I know, man. We'll get there. Don't worry, man. I'll be back to New York here shortly so we can catch up and and do the double date of the century. Can I just say congratulations to Elise, the smartest person in the McCollum family? Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely the smartest person in the McCollum family. Actually, you know what? Soon to be my favorite McCollum. But she's not a McCollum quite yet, so I don't, I still like you. <laughs> oh, good, man. I appreciate it, man. I'm not going to hold you up. It's time for me to get those nails done. She's looking at me like it's time to go. So that means it's time to go. Happy wife, happy life. Hope you enjoy your time out there in Bristol, man. And you'll be home soon to play with the dogs and the family and the loved ones. <laughs> and Thank may you, free buddy. agency continue to be as great as it has been. Sounds good. Enjoy Cabo. Enjoy uh, the family, and we'll talk soon. For sure. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio.com, backslash Pull Up with CJ, or wherever you get your shows. And don't forget to pull up. Pull up.